Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. Welcome to Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 185. Kyle Bennett, Matt Castorina, live from Underground Studios. As always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. Welcome to another Sixers Saturday where Sixers Twitter is in absolute turmoil. Matt, how we doing, man? <laughs> I live in the dream still. We're living the dream. The Sixers right now are uh, living a nightmare as they have uh, dropped two straight and Sixers Twitter uh, is literally chicken little thinking the sky is falling. Wednesday night, Sixers dropped to... Uh, Markel Fultz and the Orlando Magic and literally every other Sixers cast off uh, in existence, 112 to 97. And then last night I tweeted, death, taxes, and the Sixers losing to the Thunder. Three things that are certain in life as the Sixers dropped 127 to 119 in overtime. What What's going on with this team? Uh, a little bit. Of what was advertised, which was stingy defense and a what would be sputtering offense at times. A um, few injuries here and there. The last time it was a pretty healthy team, so you can't really use that as an excuse. I mean, it was a close game against the Thunder, who were like kind of an average team. You know, you'd like to be beating teams like that a little more easily, but uh, a team we've kind of historically struggled with. It's not as if. You know, we've never. This is a brand new thing, and we do have a habit of even blowing like late game against them. Last year, we had that Jimmy Butler steal, and it felt like we were going to win, and somehow we'll lose that one. Um, I think there's a combination of a, a few things. I think one, there's already been a little bit of frustration with Ben, like in, even you know 12 games in with like his uh, his shooting, um, and I think again you, you see a little bit of that flare up. Even seeing like some of the Embiid being out of shape talk, like coming back as if he hasn't missed a bunch of games, and you know, it's it's like all over the place. I think it's a lot of the same old flare-ups that we're used to seeing in discussions, just kind of back because this team is currently seven and five, which is a little behind where I think everyone wants them to be. And you look at like the Magic and Thunder and kind of feel like this team should be beating both of those even with uh, the magic we're missing and beat for that one and I, I i get that part but i'm never really a a, a negative type person when it comes to like regular season performance because i still think come playoffs is a team and, and we saw it i know it was a different team last year but I, I still think this this squad is built pretty well for the playoffs um i don't know i, th- I think there's there's concerns obviously but none of those concerns are new to me. You know, I didn't come into this season thinking Ben Simmons was going to be shooting. I didn't come into this season expecting high-flying offense and, wow, this team is going to be really smooth and efficient. Um, you know, my expectations were low, and 
they've been kind of a met. Like I, I don't, I, I'm, I think some people are surprised at how just kind of inconsistent scoring this team can be, and that it's still a little uh, clunky. And I'm not sure why they are, because I, I don't think there's a single sign that said this team is going to be a great scoring team. Because it's just not. We we've known that Ben and Joel are not great fits next to each other, um, and that's always going to be awkward. And we knew that bench scoring was still going to be a bit of an issue, even though this is an improved bench for us. So I don't know why people are shocked. I, I get what people are having their criticisms, but it feels like people are really surprised and taken back by this. And it's like, yeah, the, the record is a little surprising because I think, you know, should be around like, I think you should have, I think the Magic game should be back. I think the Thunder game, you know, our two games, especially, especially dropping them in a row. They'd like to have seen this win. Even Denver was a really close one. The Jazz game was close. Jazz one, you know, and that's the thing too. It's not like I would be more concerned if this team was getting blown out. Of course, right? right? Like that, that hasn't really happened this year. I haven't felt like there's really games where we're like, oh, we are completely out of this. Um, now the Hawks and Trailblazers games, like early on, I was like, uh oh, but we we clawed back in them, and that's impressive. So, on the whole, I'm I'm still positive, but I, I get why people are critical of of this team and uh, of Ben. Um, he's you know. Tobias is soaking up a lot of the pressure, but so is Ben now from the fan base, where it's like I think people are a little tired of just his uh, lack of development with shooting, and that's uh, you know where you're paying this guy a lot of money. So <laughs> we'll see where that goes. Yeah, I don't like know. Tobias hits a three, and all things are good again. You know, he hits a three last night, and uh, the criticism was back on Ben Simmons, but in that Magic game, Tobias eight points, Furkan nine points. Horford, 14 points. Your leading scorer was Josh Richardson. Uh, Embiid did not play in this game. Josh Richardson had 19 points. Um, And then the bench, nobody in double digits other than James Ennis. So that game, I think, from the get-go, you know, was... uh, It was was a tale of the fourth quarter. Again, Sixers only scored 15 points in the fourth quarter. And you can't have that with a team with this much talent. you got to be able to close out games against teams like this and to only put up 15 and allow them to score 32 and... You know, like you said, this team is priding itself on defense. That, in my book, is a little inexcusable. I will say the Magic have a great defense. Absolutely, like I, and I think we even highlighted that that they were they've been playing really well this year. I don't want to take too much away from them and say like you know, and we've we've struggled against the Magic uh, even last year. Uh, and you know, it's a young team, so they're only going to progress and and get better. Yeah, I think you know. So much of the negativity again, I think it's just more of uh, fatigue overall with some of these like problems that they haven't been fixed. Um, more so than, oh, this is new. Like we all know that Ben and his shooting is is going to be a bit of a nuisance. We know that Embiid isn't going to be at a hundred percent fitness. Um, and even then, I didn't think I saw like a clip of him like uh, late game kind of taking a, a little bit long to to get into his position. He ended up getting what I thought fouled on the play. He got ran through. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, already you're having people, like, clip moments like that and, like, have this discussion about it. And I don't know, man. Like, I'm just the type of person that I can't get bothered about games in November. I just can't. Like, and, and for me, it's on both ends of the spectrum either. Like, I wouldn't call this team, like, the best team in the NBA if they were sitting here at, like, you know, 10-2. and two. Like, I wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, look at this. Like, we are – it's like, it's November, man. I don't know. Like, that's just the way I've, I've always perceived regular season performances – um, you know, and we've had this exact same discussion every November for the past two seasons. And you you look last year, and by the time playoffs rolled around, and we were in the thick of it with Toronto, 
Nobody we're, even remembered what happened in November. We were right there, and and no one was talking about it. And it was a whole different team, too, by the way. Um, so we'll see. You know, I I don't foresee big like blockbuster wholesale changes, but I don't know that you could either rule it out. Um, yeah, it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating to lose two straight, and um, thankfully we have Cleveland, which should be hopefully a, a win. But you know, I, I think too when you look at like the East as well, like some of the uh, uh, people we thought we were going to be contending with are also struggling, so it's it's frustrating to fall behind in that sense. Like, oh, you know, we kind of had a chance to maybe like kind of like gain a little advantage on a team like the Bucks. Um, even Boston has been like pretty hot uh, for for most of the season so far, which a lot of people were really underrating them. I said to watch out for them. You did as on this show. <laughs> as it turns out, they're pretty good. Um, you know, it's, it is a little frustrating to fall behind that way, but it's, it's also November, man. Like that's that's what it comes back down to for me. It's like, yes, this game is frustrating and and losing is is annoying, but I like. It's not even the end of nothing. It's not even Thanksgiving yet. Yeah, like and people, and people are want to blow the team up. I I don't know, and I think it's like a symptom of the fan base as well as like a lot of people that are really active and talking about the Sixers and really care a lot. We're through the process, and I feel like in the back of their mind, they're always like, you know, it was a lot more fun where we just knew we were only going to win 20 games a year. <laughs> and now with, like, the weight of expectation, um, it's I think it's frustrating from some people that we're not just, like, winning every single game, um, and we're not on our second title already or something like that. It's like, you know, it takes time, and this is still this is still kind of a young team as well. It, like, you can't really forget that either, and it's a, it's a reshaped team. Um, but we know that a lot of the issues are have been here, and I don't foresee changing. I don't foresee Ben shooting, and and B, I think some of the fitness stuff is a little overblown. Um, but there is like there is also legitimate concern there with like his ability to last an entire meaningful game, and that you know you, you're going to be able to depend on him. Even outside that though, he had a great game last night. So like I I don't even know like are we going to nitpick every single possession that he has? Because if you do that with any player. I think you're going to get a little disappointed in times of some Just of the effort. Bit. I don't know. I, I just think uh, it's, it's a weird pendulum with uh, with the Sixers where it's like, you know, one week it's someone's fault, the next it's someone's. Uh, you know, one week this team is great, one week this team is not great. It's just, I don't know. You know, it's just, I think it's everyone kind of grasping at a, at a reason for why they're personally frustrated and – it's like, yeah, man. I don't know. Like, it's just, <laughs> it was a frustr. It's a frustrating game. It's it's disappointing, but I'm not a. Uh, I'm not particularly gonna lose sleep over it either. Yeah, and I mean, last night Joel Embiid records his four thousandth career NBA point, thirty one points and twelve rebounds. Every single starter was in double digits, and last night you can also argue that the reason they lost was because of the bench. Nobody on the bench produced anywhere near what they should. Furkan Korkmaz in 26 minutes, three points. James Ennis, two points in 18 minutes. Mike Scott, three points and four rebounds in 18 minutes. Neto only played six minutes but had three points. Like, you look at that. Korkmaz played 20 more minutes than Neto, and they both had the same amount of points. Thibel played five minutes, no points. Like, that, in my opinion, last night's loss kind of falls on the bench. Which is which is fair. I mean, it was also an overtime loss. Too. I yeah. feel like people forget that you like... I think a lot of games that go to overtime, they're they're fifty fifty at the end because it's just if you get the possession to you go your way, you win the game, right? And of course, 
you know, that's easy to say, and, like, we still lost the game. But, you know, like, you, there's just, like, thought in my head that, like, I don't think the performances have been as bad as everyone is making them out to be. I really don't. I, And I think what's more important, more than a result necessarily in the regular season, is the performances and the process of what you're, of what you're doing. Um, I think any coach can say, like, on any given day, you can lose a game just because, for like any number of reasons. And sometimes it can be luck. Sometimes it could just be, you know, someone makes just a mistake and it's like, you know what? But if the overall performance of the team is what the coach wants, then they're not going to get worried about losing games. And this isn't any sport. This isn't even just NBA we're talking here. If, if the performance and, and process of what they're doing is, is clearly being displayed and everyone's getting it and buying in, then you'll take the loss because, you know what, like, we're still moving forward. You have to have like the longest longest vision when you're coaching a team. So I don't think you can say that this team has played terribly. They've lost some games that you think they should win, but I I'm not like I'm not looking at this team like, oh my god, this is a train wreck. Like, yeah, but in and that's because I came into the season understanding that this offense wasn't gonna be like lights out. Exactly. And I, I just don't know where people got their expectations from. I really don't. Because, yes, we made some good additions this summer, but I think, if anything, by losing JJ, we all knew that it was going to probably be a little more clunky this year, and it has been so far. That doesn't mean it's going to be that way forever. You know, and, again, the Ben stuff, like, it's exhausting. Because at this point, we know what he is. He hasn't improved. Do we trade him? I don't know. I, I You know, we brought up, like, last year about, like, Maybe we should have traded him for Kawhi. I don't know. The, I One thing I think I know for certain is that the organization really likes Ben and clearly values him a lot. In fact, we've heard over the years that, you know, and this is like through like sources say or like, you know, kind of hidden in articles, but that they actually value him higher than Embiid. Um, now, is that still the same? Who knows, right? Because, you know, that's that could have been several front offices ago and different, different things and opinions now. But, I mean... We did max him, you know, like the, the, clearly the organization has a lot of faith in Ben. Um, now let me ask you this. Do you think they value Ben more than Embiid because they kind of think Embiid's, you know, shelf life is a lot less than what Ben Simmons is? Let me just say that I don't think Embiid's shelf life is a lot less. Embiid's shelf you know life it, yeah. is a lot less. I don't think people want to grapple with this just yet, but we probably have two more years of Embiid at a high, high level. Maybe. It could end tomorrow. Like, realistically, like, Embiid could get hurt tomorrow. We never see him at this level again. Just being realistic. Um, and that's obviously a neg- really negative way of looking at it, but it's just the truth. And you look at big men in the NBA, there are, are like, none <laughs> that dominate for more than, like, four or five years. It's always kind of been a position of There's very few turnstiles. Shaquille O'Neal's that There's are able to do it Exactly one Shaquille yeah. O'Neal. You know, to and, do it the way he did. That's kind of like the last big man at his size, his, yeah. you know, you know, both height and weight to do what he did. You look at the, the cliff that Dwight Howard fell off, and he was the best at that time. People forget but how dominant Dwight Howard was and that on his back was built a magic team that you know went to the finals and you know the defensive player of the year awards and how dominant he was and he fell off and I mean he's still like a he's still an NBA player now it's not like he's you know out of the league or anything yeah he's never quite found the success and part of that is because he didn't he didn't take care of his body um so yeah with, with Embiid I've always had in the back of my head that you know we, we get like five, six really good years out of him. You know, if, if and that's, I think if we're a little bit lucky, 
Um, so yeah, I think the organization absolutely, absolutely looks at at the at just at the the potential for physical decrease in their value and has to be worried about Embiid because I mean even now he's he's load managed and the, and by the way I'm not saying this to say like I'm crapping on Embiid right. I'm just being as black and white as possible if someone was just looking as objectively as you could at Embiid at the end of the day he's someone that needs to be load managed that even though I think some of it is overblown I do think there's legitimate concern about his actual fitness level and his endurance and someone that, again, I'm not going to call him unprofessional about this, but I do think he could improve and mature in the way that he does treat his body. You know, like, there's a balance there. I don't think it's, like, the Chick-fil-A story was like, oh, my God, like, get Shake a grip. Shack and- like, it was like, get a grip, but also, like, yeah, you know what, like, maybe he should. Maybe maybe he should, right. like, be more careful about this, like, you know, and he says the right things at times, and it's I I think he does understand, but... I don't know. You know, it's just it's a kind of a big question mark with Embiid and his health going forward. And yeah, maybe that's also the reason why the Sixers probably do value Ben a little bit higher. Um, and for what it's worth, I don't think Ben is terrible, but it's just his ceiling keeps dropping week by week, and it's now at a level where yeah, he's like kind of hovering at an All Star level, but he's never going to reach like that next level. He can't be the best player on a championship team as he currently is because he has such. Every player has weaknesses. His weakness is so huge <laughs> and such a, a daunting one to overcome. And you've seen, like, no progress on it. And I think what's... The only thing I'll say that's a little frustrating that I didn't quite expect was Ben talked a pretty big talk this summer about how he fell back in love with the game and that he'd been working hard. And I, to be very honest, I believe that. I'm not one that gets, like, hype over, like, workout videos and stuff because, like, every athlete works right. out. So, like, we duh. saw it a year ago with, with faults. Exactly. What happened I've, there. I've seen this exact movie. But I did believe a little bit that, you know, he may have had some, like, mental struggle with, like, his confidence and his genuine genuine enjoyment of the game. The so when I, heard him, thing when I heard him say that, I was like, okay, like, yeah, maybe he's, like, really focused and engaged. And, like, I have to be honest, if I was grading him, on that, I would say he gets like a D. <laughs> like, uh, you know, so I don't. I'm, I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to say that this team is. I still think this team is a championship contender, and that they can absolutely we can be celebrating in June. Um, and I don't think that anything about that has diminished for me so far this season. Um, but this is kind of what we expected. Sorry, like it. It just is. It's we expected this to not be a very good offensive team. I still think defensively, this team locks it in when they need to. Um, we've seen a little bit of straying away from that, and I don't know. Like, there's been a little bit of, of weakness at times, a little soft belly. But again, we've also been missing, you know, one of our starting five like every game. It seems to. Yeah, it feels like last night was the first time we actually had the starting five since. And they look pretty night. good. Yeah, look pretty good. Yeah, you know, if it hasn't been Embiid, it's been Horford or Ben. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I think let's let's be patient. Let's. You know, talk to me after the All Star break. Like, honestly, <laughs> now with Ben Simmons, do you think, you know, because we see him shooting in, in shoot around, he's making threes. Do you think it's more of a nerves thing? Not that this is an excuse, but uh, where he's like just nervous to fail. I think I think there is something psychological about the issue. I think it's it's a confidence thing. We know Ben is a very cocky player, which a lot of NBA players are, by the way. It's not. I think most athletes are even. You don't really get to that level typically without being really confident in yourself. I do think there's a psychological component to it that um, 
I don't know. But, you know, also, like, every NBA player hits deep threes and, mm-hmm. like, shoot and shoot around. Like, think of, like, going to your local Y and seeing just the most average dudes who can reliably hit shots from three-point Okay, now, someone who has played basketball every single day, multiple hours a day since they were, like, seven. Of course, like... And they're a pro. Like, of course they're going to be able to and shoot around and hit whatever shot they want. Like, Steph Curry is one of the best three-point shooters of all time, but still only shoots, like, 40% of the game. But he, you know, hits, like, 99 out of 100 in warm-ups. Like, that's, you know, it's just how it is. Like, you, of course they can. Of course they can go out there and exactly. shoot whatever shot they want. You know, like, I think people extrapolate that too much. That's why I don't like the summer workout videos because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, he's... Oh, he's hitting shots in a training session? Of course he is. Oh, in a like a pickup game, he's playing well, even if it is against other NBA players? Of course he is, because it's not... You can't, there's no pressure. There's no way to replicate NBA... And I don't think those, those guys that he's even playing pickup with are as engaged and as right. intense as they would be in a game. And yeah, there's, there's no pressure, there's no big stadium, there's no real expectation, so... With Ben, I think it's it is uh, there is a mental component to this, and I think part of it too is you know we talk about Joel shows up at other team sport. Ben does it more than Joel. Like, mm. You see Ben Simmons out at Phillies games, at Eagles games, and I think Ben has really integrated himself with this city, and I think that's also part of it where he doesn't want to fail because then he knows he's not only letting the team down, he's letting an entire city down, and that's part of the the mental part of it that I think is you know, a big issue with this is that he doesn't want to fail the city that he is, you know, indoctrinating himself with. Yeah, and I think, um, I don't know, I it's it's weird, and I think we're going to hear a lot about uh, trading Ben and uh, his true value and, and what that means, and the only thing I'll say to that is, I think the only way we trade Ben is if we decide, one, I think if we trade Ben, that's the most clear win-now move we could do, honestly. I think that really says, like, okay, we have two years to do this. We're getting it done. And if you trade Ben, I don't think you're ever going to get the value back for him just because of his weakness. And also, it's it's hard when you trade an all-star. As we've talked about, when we talked about when we traded for Jimmy, it's very hard when you trade for all-stars to get that level back. And we broke it down even when the Kawhi trade happened. I, I brought up all the past examples of, like, the Kyrie trade where it's like you'd never get the value back for this play. You just never do. So you'd have to go on fit. You'd have to get guys back that fit well with the current team, that fit with Embiid especially, and, like, that's not an easy thing to do. You know, like, all automatically your list is, like, 10 teams. You know, and then it's like, what team wants Ben? Like, right. You can't play NBA 2K GM. Like, you-, you can't force the trade through. It has to make sense. And um, so, and I, I personally don't think we'll trade Ben. Not that I'm personally against it, but I don't, I don't foresee the Sixers doing it. But, yeah, I don't see that. And I don't even know what trades this team really has in them because um, there's no real bench pieces you could move. I would hate to lose Matisse. Um, it would be like the second year in a row that we like ditch uh, a, a really good rookie um, for, you know, hopefully I, the whole Tobias thing, man. It's just unbelievable. It's so um, bad. That, that's a that's a rough part too. It's like Tobias. He, I, he had a good game last night, but it's just not been. Um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, but you know, I I don't know. I I don't want to think too much, overthink too much about the Sixers situation right now because it's it's everything's fine still. You know, people are going to be a little upset about what's happened so far, but on the whole, not particularly surprised by anything we're seeing just yet. Some positives, though. Down on the farm with the Bluecoats last night, uh, 
since the last time we recorded too, Jonah Bolden was sent down to the Bluecoats, um, which I think is a good move. Give him some consistent playing time and just figure some things out. And uh, he did just that last night for the Bluecoats as they took down uh, the Long Island Nets 152-137. to uh, Just a dominant performance. And, you know, Jonah Bolden led the team with 34 points. Mariel Shayok continued to dominate with 29 points. Uh, Xavier Munford, a, a nifty little, you know, shooter that they have down in Delaware, 16 points. And then Haywood Highsmith, another really good performance, put up 26 points and 7 rebounds. Uh, Shayok also with his double-double uh, there with 13 rebounds. But do any of these guys, do you think they have potential to be up sooner rather than you know, when we initially first thought whether it's Shayok, whether it's Haywood, to just kind of give a different dimension to this team? Unfortunately, no, because... I agree. I think I think one of the issues is that we don't really play... Even Thibel's not getting reliable minutes, yeah. right? And this is someone that we clearly showed a lot of trust and faith in. Not only did we select him in the first round, we traded up. And know, he got a lot of burn in that first Celtics game, and then since, yeah. Brett's kind of... It's been it's been hit or miss. I think it's been a little matchup and like game script dependent. Um, yeah, I mean, you even look at someone like Shake, who is kind of like getting DNPs like every other night. And that's someone that we kind of trusted to be like... We were hoping to be like a second or third point guard on this team, and... That's not to discredit anyone on the blue coats right now, because I think there's there's obviously talent there, but I just think the Sixers are sending a pretty clear message right now that they're not really interested in kind of uh, like bringing up prospects, so to speak, you know, and, and kind of seeing what they have. That they're pretty happy with what they're rolling with, and even the guys that are sort of, you know, they've spent a lot of draft capital on and invested. You know, Shake has been here multiple years already. Like they've invested time in developing. Even they aren't getting minutes. Like someone in the blue coat is going to have to have like, like sustained, like unbelievable performances. I think to to really get a consideration. Um, which is, it's a difficult spot to be in. But you know, if they, they keep performing like that, obviously you never know what happens. But yeah, I I, I don't really for foresee it happening. Yeah, and uh, you know, you talked about not wanting to give up on Matisse, but is Zaire a, a guy that is our, our kind of trade chip at this point? Well, you kind of wonder what Zaire's real trade value is. It's almost like the fault situation where it's like, well, no one's really seen him play. Um, it's not as like murky as faults was, where it's like, a, like a, no one even knows what if this guy's going to be in the league in a year. Um, whereas Zaire, it's more just like, okay, well, we've not really seen him play at an NBA level, so it's it's almost like cutting loose with him is, I, I think, would be uh, detrimental value because I think he, he can be a, a good like NBA role player and maybe even beyond that if he gets back to like his, his total health. So I think patience with him is the most important thing. Um, so yeah, I think it's almost like, you know, we talked about with like with trading Reese Hoskins on the Phillies, right? Where it's like that theoretically the time to trade Reese would have been last offseason right and theoretically with Zaire you would have traded him like after his summer league performances right like you wouldn't right now his value is such a low level that you're not you know you're not going to get anything back for him really that that is is worth it um so you might as well just kind of hold your patience and I, I trust that Zaire can get back to to where we kind of uh, expect him to be definitely and uh, like you said Sixers go to Cleveland tomorrow hopefully they uh get another win there before they come home to take on the Knicks the Spurs, and then the Miami Heat, which is also Mike Scott Hive Tailgate Day. Make sure you RSVP for that or 
a lot of people on that list. Uh, just got an update email from them because we will be in attendance. Uh, there's a lot more people than they were expecting. So if you can help out in any which way or form, uh, you know, make sure you follow at Mike Scott underscore Hive on Twitter. All the information is there. And uh, if there's anything you can do to help out, it'd be greatly appreciated because that day is going to be absolutely wild. We'll be there from, you know, the time we get done our show, we'll be heading out to, uh, you know, the parking lot G for the tailgate and everything. It's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, hopefully we'll see everybody down there. But big game tomorrow in parking lot G and all across uh, the sporting complex as the Eagles get set to take on the Patriots. And a familiar friend is back with the team. Darren Sproles ruled out for the rest of the season with a quad injury. So the Eagles brought back Jay Ajayi. Yeah, I felt um, it's kind of an interesting move. And it's interesting with Jay Ajayi as well. Like, he's not an old running back. He's still relatively young. He obviously has, like, pretty significant injury concerns. It's part of the reason that, you know, we were able to trade for him and get the kind of value we did because already, even even that year, there was worries about his knee and how it was going to hold up. And... It is kind of surprising no one took a flyer on him. I, He's only 26 years old. Would have expected someone to, maybe even the Dolphins themselves, like, be like, hey, like, what can we get out of you? I, it's a little weird that no one, no one's taking a shot on him, but I'm kind of a believer in that the teams obviously know a little more than we ever will about like guys like injury history and stuff and their real outlook. So I think there's a reason for that. But I think in terms of like a, a stopgap, like you – could definitely do a lot worse than JJ. Like I think, if if healthy, if he can you know, kind of bring you back that level that he was when you initially trade for him, it's pretty damn good to just kind of pick up off of waivers essentially. Like it's especially with Jordan Howard being questionable, mm-hmm. limited with that shoulder injury, which not many teams go into the bye week and come out more injured than they were, <laughs> uh, except your Philadelphia Eagles. So Jordan Howard being potentially limited and questionable for the game. Uh, and Jay Ajayi knowing the playbook as well, I think, is a big boost. And then you, you couple him with Miles Sanders. I don't really think you lose that much of a step, you know, especially if Jordan Howard can't play. Jay Ajayi, a, a similar type running back that can run between the tackles, can run outside. And, uh, you know, I think that still helps. And that's what you're going to have to do to beat the Patriots. Is you got to be able to run the ball on this team because that is the weak point of the defense. And you got to be able to use the tight ends uh, to your advantage. So, injury report for this game. Nigel Bradham, Alshon Jeffrey, and Darren Sproles are out. Like we said, Sproles out for the season with the quad injury. Alshon, the ankle injury, he is out. So uh, your wide receiver core looks like this, Matt. Jordan Matthews coming back in. Nelson Aguilar. We're probably finally going to see J.J. Ortega-Whiteside for the first time since that Detroit game. Well, uh, hopefully he brings it this time. uh, (laughs) um, It's weird. It's almost like a throwback kind of... uh... Jordan Matthews like looking around, like, he's looking at Aguilar, like you're still here. How did I get lose my job and you still have one? twice? <laughs> um, that's yeah. Doesn't I'll be honest, doesn't really inspire a lot of confidence. Just be totally truthful. Um, but I think if you're gonna beat the Patriots, it has to come on the ground, and that's that's where the biggest question mark is. I think in in terms of I think that's for both teams actually. And Eagles have been pretty good against the run. Um, and it's not like it, really any of the New England running backs inspire a lot of confidence. Um, they're kind of like a death by a thousand cuts sort of team on offense. And the Eagles are more of a 
almost like use a cliche like a little more smash mouth almost yeah. at times this season so it's going to be an interesting matchup i think it'll be close and you know it's just it, it, i i'm really worried about this Patriots defense because it's it's pretty damn good and i think already you have a weakened passing game for this entire season and this week again just you look in and listen to those names and you're like wow like I don't know about that. And this is Carson Wentz's first crack at this Patriots yes. team because he didn't play in the Super Bowl. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of attacks this and utilizes you know, the weapons around him. And if anything in this game, I trust Doug Peterson because he's he's done this before. He's outcoached Bill Belichick in the biggest moment of his career. And you know, if there's one thing that I really haven't wavered on with this team is my confidence in Doug Peterson. He has been able to rally this team in, you know, the lowest of low moments, whether it was Orlando Skandrick going on, uh, you know, FS1 and kind of outing the team, however you want to look at it, to, you know, rallying them to win that Buffalo game. They win the Chicago game. Doug Peterson has been the constant that's kind of kept this team together, in my opinion. And uh, I'm very intrigued for the coaching matchup tomorrow more than anything. I think as long as you have good coaching, you, you can trust that your team will do well. And I think that's been a little bit of a constant with the Eagles and you might even say the past two seasons there's been a little of overproduction because of the coaching and um, I, th- I think mentally this game tomorrow is huge just because you know again if you lose tomorrow like you kind of throw your hands up and say alright like it's a good team like you can kind of deal with that I know the fans don't say that I'm talking right. <laughs> you know the coaches and players logistically thinking like that's how you have to approach it. yes um, it's about the performance and I mean if you beat this team tomorrow like one record wise you're put yourself in a really, really strong position going, you know, into that Seahawks game. Um, and two, I think, you know, what that does just mentally, you know, to the team to to come out of that with a, a, a either a strong win or at least a strong performance. Like, you, you don't – the season is going to be decided in the next month and a half, and you don't want to kind of start, you know, your, your refresh by, uh, by dropping a, a big game or getting embarrassed in a big game at home against a team that – uh, has every reason to want to lay it on the Eagles. So I think that's that's my concern is just, again, you're kind of at a fulcrum this season. And, you know, the, the division is the only way that you're getting in the playoffs. I don't think you're even making the wild card just as the Eagles stand right now and how the NFC is. Like, you kind of have to win the division. So um, some eyes are also going to have to be on the Cowboys. You know, like, uh, as much as you don't really want to say it, like, technically it is in the Eagles' hands, but that's only if they pretty much go undefeated the rest of the way. Um, you know, standing at, they, they stand the same record, but the Cowboys have the uh, tiebreaker on them, of course, right now. Um, you know, they, you can't really, you honestly can't afford to lose, really, the rest of the way. I know that technically that would mean going 12-4, and four, but, you know, any loss now means that, you have to hope Dallas loses too, and that you have to beat Dallas too. Like, there's so many now extra qualifiers on the rest of the season that um, you need to kind of. You're not really in like a must-win every week, but especially when you look at the next two opponents, like that's uh, that's a tough scene. The Cowboys also have a, a difficult schedule coming up either. You know, just as I'd say, the Cowboys schedule is arguably way more difficult than the Eagles, which is a, a big bonus. Yeah, because you look at this Cowboys schedule; they go to Detroit this week. Sure, Matthew Stafford's not playing, but Jeff Driscoll was, you know, on a game-winning drive at the end of that game last week and almost beat the Bears. And he didn't find out he was starting until Sunday morning. So take that for what it's worth. Um, but, you know, anything can happen when you go on the road. And then right after that, Cowboys go to New England. 
they have to go to Foxborough to take on the Patriots rather than than them going to uh, to Dallas, and then they get Thanksgiving against a Buffalo team that has a very good defense, and you know that's uh, not a pushover game. Then you go to on the road again for the Cowboys. They go to Chicago in the middle of December. No tough, no easy task there, and then they come home have to take on the Rams. Good defense. We'll see what happens there. Then that Eagles game. Uh, you know, three days before Christmas, and then they finish up against Washington. So, in that that grouping of games, you could argue that the Cowboys lose four of them. You know, you look at the the Patriots, the Bills, the Bears, and the Rams. There's potential there that they lose three or all four of those games just based on the teams they're playing. Yeah, and that's that's the positive mark. But you know, eh, we're we're both in a, a difficult situation, and and I, I think that's. Good for the Eagles, of course, because then it's at least, you know, it's not like you're the only one facing, like, tough teams week after week, but uh, our tough schedule, you would say, is kind of running out after Seattle. It does it does lighten up, or as the Cowboys still have some, like, definitely some tricky ones. A lot of travel for them as well. Uh, yeah, we and we've all kind of gotten that out of the way, and to come out of what we did at 5-4, and four, you kind of say, all right, you know, that's, that's okay. You know, we can we can push forward from here. So that's going to be the big thing for the Eagles going forward is just uh, keeping a little bit of an eye on Dallas and hope that they, they pick up some losses over the next few weeks because that's advantageous because I think the division's the only way you make the playoffs right now. Absolutely. And then uh, kind of just kicking it around the NFL, Thursday night football was uh, quite eventful. Uh, a lot of suspensions and fines as Miles Garrett lost his damn mind and uh, took a helmet to Mason Rudolph's head. Yeah, jeez, uh, he's suspended indefinitely now, right? Suspended which is... indefinitely, which includes uh, the playoffs this season if the Browns are somehow to make it, which, good luck. Uh, he was also fined, and he has to apply for reinstatement uh, when his suspension is over. Both teams were fined $25,000 each. Uh, Marquise Pouncey was suspended for three games and fined, and then another Browns player was uh, suspended one game and fined all the suspensions are without pay. And the crazy thing is, is like there was no precedent for this before. So this is now setting the tone for, uh, you know, if this, God forbid, ever happens again, this is what you're going to have to deal with. Yeah, I saw a, uh, it's pretty dark humor, but uh, it, was, it was a tweet that said if uh, Miles Garrett had gone home and hit his significant other with the helmet. Uh, he would have gotten a lower suspension, and more than likely, I don't even think it, very likely. Even if the and people are like, oh, that's because there's video evidence. Even with video evidence, you're getting guys with like six game suspensions. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, definitely, what he did is dangerous. I don't want to, you know, diminish it, and uh, like. You don't like. I hate when people say like in the middle of like sports games and stuff like, "Oh, that's assault." I can't. But that was like legitimately the only time when people said that. I was like, yeah, that's like yep. you're you're really endangering someone's life. Like, I I don't even think it's being dramatic. Like, and people forget Mason Rudolph. Yeah, he already almost died once this season. Like, I don't. Like, not exactly the guy you want taking a like full like reach around tomahawk swing with a helmet right to the dome. and he caught like the edge of the helmet too yeah uh, which you know had ah, jeez i'm i'm just happy no one was like seriously injured yeah. after all of that because outside of that even too there's other stuff going on it was nuts and kind of the uh the the mess that you'd expect from two like the browns are like the worst team 
I think in NFL history when it comes to penalties yep. so far this season, they're so undisciplined. So and the Steelers, Steelers always find themselves in like games and controversies like this. I'm not not entirely sure how, but it feels like once every like year we get a Steelers game where like something like this happens. Yep. We've never had anything like this, Violent but, like that, but. You know, there's always kind of like these really contested games with them. So not particularly surprising that we we get this, but the suspension is surprising. That I like to be. Suspended indefinitely, like, is that's pretty big. Yeah. Uh, and then I was honestly, you know, I've been out on Baker Mayfield this year, but good for him with what he said after the game, saying, you know, there's no place for it, and uh, he's got to be, you know, Miles Garrett's got to be better than that. Because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, he threw his teammate under the bus, blah, blah. No. He, he was being a human being and saying, like, there's no place for that. Same thing with Odell Beckham. You know, he's had a, a tough season this year, but said the same thing. And, uh, it's it's good to see that you know players are recognizing that like that that stuff should not be happening at all. Um, so we'll see you know what comes of that uh, as it continues to develop. And uh, you know Miles Garrett also part of uh, Chris Long's Water Boys organization. Good on Chris Long too. You know they put a statement out saying that Miles Garrett will stay with Water Boys and everything because you know that's the thing Miles Garrett had a moment it's not like he has a history of this happening and uh you know he's gonna have the opportunity to to write his ship and uh i don't expect this to ever happen again uh so we'll see what continues to develop yeah absolutely hope it doesn't happen again yeah it's not it's not great and uh the the worst part of it all is this all happened with eight seconds left in the game (laughs) yeah so uh you know hopefully nothing more uh eventful Outside of game script things happen uh, moving forward, especially on a you know a national spotlight like that, you know where it's the only game happening too. So it was right forefront and center. Um, but yeah, thankfully it wasn't the Eagles either because that'd be an absolute mess. Yes. Uh, but Phillies, Matt, got a lot of a uh, hot stove churning. The Braves make the first move of the offseason signing a new closer, Will Smith. Not heading to South Philadelphia. He's heading to Atlanta. And, uh, you know, it's just more work that the Phillies got to put in now to uh, improve this bullpen. Is Will Smith one of the top relievers on the market, now off the market? Um, But there is, uh, you know, a guy I brought up on Wednesday is being talked about in trade rumors, and that is John Gray from the Colorado Rockies. And uh, the offseason's in full swing now, so... I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen now because a lot of stuff is swirling, especially around that whole Lindor, Bryant, Mookie Betts, uh, you know, situation. And uh, a lot of people just putting their own takes about who they'd be willing to give up and uh, put out there in in the trade market because I think that's what we're going to see more of first is a lot of trade rumors before a lot more guys start to sign. Yeah, and baseball uh, with the offseason, especially as we found out last year, uh, drags and drags and drags and drags and it feels like every month there's like a new deadline uh, I can remember so much of last year it was like oh Manny and Bryce and even Corbin like their fates will be decided like by the winter meetings like and it's like January 15th uh, definitely February <laughs> it's like every every uh, every every week it kind of gets postponed further and further so uh, I think it's going to be kind of a, a slow moving ship I think also one thing that I, I do think people within the league are probably waiting to see is just where this Astros investigation and all kind of leads. Because if there's like Keep a sig- if there's a significant punishment, 
I don't I don't even know what that punishment would be, but you know maybe I don't even know. But because now two other managers are involved, <laughs> and of course the Mets, God bless them, oh, man. are somehow going to get screwed on all of this because <laughs> it's just like <laughs> Mets going to Met. You, you kind of have to feel a little bad for the Mets, so it's like isn't Ooh. easy to. It, it would suck if like <laughs> their manager gets suspended <laughs> fifty games. <laughs> Uh, for his part in a scandal with another team. And the crazy part was he was a player yeah. on the team then. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, so I, I do think there's going to be a little bit of uh, trepidation from baseball teams to just kind of see where that goes maybe first. And, I mean, to, you have to say, too, the Mets and the Red Sox are both teams that could be affected, you know, outside Big of just time. the Astros because both their managers are potential, allegedly implicated in all this. We don't... Obviously, we've seen all the videos, we've heard all the banging and the whistling, but none of it is like, you know, they haven't actually been like convicted of anything. So and you, a photo did come out. I don't know if you saw that uh, in an article in the Athletic of a trash can that was in the hallway where this allegedly was taking place, and the trash can was significantly beat up. Uh, I think I saw and, the article, the picture in the article. I didn't really notice the trash can being beat up, but it was like the picture of the hallway, like yeah, with and the, it was yeah. like one of the the Astros trash. Cans. I mean, you can hear the noise. Like, I think what's a most, I think what's crazy about it is like no one noticed because these noises like stick out and they're like, they had to have been happening like, you'd think like, forty times a game, you know? Like it's just unbelievable that we're kind of just now digging into all this and yeah, it's like a huge can of worms that just gets deeper and deeper every time you look. So I do think there's probably some teams that are being a little cautious and Red Sox and Mets are both teams that you'd expect to be contenders or at least like potential buyers or sellers so they may also kind of want to wait and see what happens here and uh okay yeah i see it now. yeah so i just pulled up a picture for matt here it's like one of those uh kind of like set in place waste management uh not a sponsor uh trash cans that was in the hallway where this was allegedly taking place and they had uh you know tv set up and they were getting it with a camera and everything and i mean Good on the two pitchers, you know, Carson Smith and Mike Fires for coming out and, you know, saying this was going on because both those guys, you know, realized Mike Fires was on the team. Not sure if Carson Smith was a member of the Astros or not, but uh, good on them for, you know, voicing something in baseball that is actual cheating and it getting investigated because it's a problem. And I'm, I'm totally fine with teams stealing signs and you know figuring out if a player's tipping pitches and stuff if it's happening organically like if you pick up on a tendency or something like that but to use technology to do it it's just scummy and there's no place for it yeah and uh it's it's been a little funny watching some astros fans i would say on the whole they've been like yeah this is sucks but i especially in, like the early like when this first kind of broke it was like all this like a lot of uh, a lot of goalposts moving, and a lot of oh, well, that's not true. That's not true. This isn't true. That didn't happen. It's actually hilarious too that a lot of like radio and TV people in Houston are still that way. Like yeah. they're like, oh, because John Boy is one of the guys that is, you know, been on the forefront. He put that video out, and it just went viral. And uh, he's been doing you know a big old media tour with it. But Astros radio people and TV people are are still poo-pooing it and it's like oh does John Boy have nothing better to do with his life than you know listen to bangs in a video you know blah 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 like your team cheated it's plain and simple like sorry Sorry, you got caught a a really big story in an all in a sport that doesn't get big stories like this typically and that the last time I don't want to be like over dramatic here but 
like this is just my opinion and read on it is the last time we had a story that was like pervasive and as big like this was like steroid stuff like that's the only other time and then when uh the cardinals and astros stole yes stole stole, information from each other and stuff scout gate (laughs) astros of course um but yeah like this is like like yeah this is the biggest and this was primed too by the world series with all that happened with you know, like all the domestic violence stuff kind of coming back to the forefront, and you know, like this, this, I think that only made this much more like, uh, it like greased the wheels, so to speak, like for a story like this, where already people were kind of out on the Astros and like, oh, that's like really crappy, you know, like it's really cr- now it's like you get this and en- this entire thing, but and it also happened to happen to the Yankees, who are like the most ravenous fan base yeah. online, <laughs> who will absolutely bury you with something like this, and deservedly so too. Um, yeah, it's a story that's not going away. I think that'll it'll gum up a little bit of what happens with baseball a- as a result. Yeah, and then uh, other teams were trying to dive into uh, stuff, and uh, somebody brought up. Uh, it's Bleacher Nation. They cover the Chicago Cubs, um, and you know they were talking about you Darvish um, and his signs being picked up on, and Christian Yelich kind of moving his eyes around to uh, you know look somewhere else and trying to allegedly say that the Brewers were doing something similar. You uh, Darvish then said, "I'm not sure what he's trying to do, but to be clear, his eyes move first. That's why I step off the mound." but that's not meant to say the Brewers are stealing signs. And then that second part was in a follow-up tweet, but then Christian Yelich says, be better than this. Nobody needs help facing you. <laughs> it's it's only going to You know, Yelich, you really got to be careful because there is a history of all-star Brewers players being a little cocky, a little confident after having massive seasons and come to find out that it wasn't on the up and up. So maybe uh, I would just I would keep my Twitter closed if I was an MLB player. I easy. really would because it's funny, but like that's a pretty easy way to get memed in like a year when you find out you're on PEDs. Yeah. <laughs> so like, <laughs> or that you were stealing. Or signs. that you were stealing signs. Like uh, just dial it back a little bit. A little bit of other baseball news: the MVPs were announced. Cody Bellinger wins the National League MVP, and uh, South Jersey's own. Mike Trout, after missing the final three weeks of the season, wins his third American League MVP. Both of them deserved uh, the award. Cody Bellinger had an unreal season. Don't let it be uh, forgotten, though, that the Phillies did uh, have his number quite a bit this season. So that's a big win for us. But uh, Mike Trout, only player to ever miss the final three weeks of a, a regular season and win the MVP. And that just goes to show you how dominant he was this year. He's finished in the top you know, voting of the MVP race every single full season he's been in the league. And uh, he, we're watching one of the best athletes to ever play a sport in our generation. And it's even cooler that he's from right in our backyard. Yeah, he's uh, he's amazing. And you know, especially when you consider the Angels haven't been a particularly good team, uh, you know, how they could build around him going forward. And we'll see some of that this offseason, I bet, even though we said the same last year. Uh, that's that's going to be interesting to watch because you know this is a guy that has to carry and i mean carry a team and part of that does help with his like mvp you know if he played on a better team maybe you don't see the production he's able to probably get rested a little bit more things like that but um yeah i mean you can't take anything away from his like because i don't think you could put really anyone in his position and just kind of 
had put up the numbers that he does. He still has to go out there and, and do the work, and it's it's mind blowing. Like some of it is genuinely like people say all the time, like, "Oh, this is all time." So I'm like, no, this is like you are looking at an all timer right here, and could like go down as like. Yeah, one of the best players ever played baseball. It's not the best, you know. <laughs> like, like uh, he's really good. <laughs> Major League Baseball put out a, a graphic with quotes from uh, players from around the league, just on uh, you know Mike Trout's performance. And uh, one of them, Anthony Rendon, said Mike Trout was the best player in the world. Uh, then followed up with uh, Houston Astro George Springer. Everyone wants to be like Mike. We got uh, Marcus Stroman. Trout will go down as the best player to ever live. I truly believe that. We got uh, Justin Verlander. He's the one guy you don't want to see in the batter's box in a big spot. And uh, we also had some quotes from uh, Nolan Arenado saying he's probably the greatest five-tool player the game has ever seen. That's the thing, too, is like his offensive production is stupid, but he's like so an unbelievable good defensive player. Like It's just dumb. <laughs> Alex Bregman, he hits it wherever he wants to hit it. That's a fun superpower to have. Rookie of the Year, Pete Alonzo. That dude is the next coming of Mickey Mantle. And then uh, his teammate, one of the legends of the game, Albert Pujols, says, they say he has all five tools. I think he has ten tools. You've got to multiply his by two. Fair enough. That's high praise coming yeah. from a guy like Albert Pujols. Um, and he's been fortunate enough to play with Mike, and Mike's been fortunate enough to play with him. But we, uh, we congratulate one of our own right here in South Jersey uh, on his third MVP uh, you know, award well deserved, and uh, he just continues to do things that nobody else has ever done. So it's it's very fun to be able to watch somebody like him succeed the way he has. But uh, great dude too, by the way, fantastic like, awesome. person, like great family. Yeah, and uh, I know more MVP awards and more accolades are just coming his way as his career continues because he's only 28 years old. Hard to believe that he's been able to Remember do Remember there this. was like a week where we thought he was going to be at Philly? <laughs> uh, good times. <laughs> what a fun time that was. Good times. Uh, but I think that's all we got for you guys. We got a, a busy weekend ahead of us. Eagles-Patriots tomorrow as we record this. Got uh, Blue Coats action tonight where we'll be represented one way or another. And then uh, lacrosse wings camp also went down this morning. So a lot of crazy stuff going on. And to keep up with all that, Follow us on social media at UndergroundPHI on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter as well at Matt Castarina at KBIZZL311. And then uh, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Your thoughts on uh, the Phillies offseason, what the Sixers can do to improve, and what direction the Eagles are going in for the rest of the season. And then you can also follow us on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the TuneIn app. You can follow and stream us on iHeartRadio. And you can also subscribe and listen to us on the Radio.com app. And as always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro, Foot Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt, Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Automo, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. We will be back on Wednesday night, hopefully talking about a big Eagles win, a big uh, you know Sixers week of action as they'll uh, take on the Knicks on Wednesday night as well, and hopefully we're talking about a win over the Cavs and much, much more, maybe some Phillies news, hopefully uh, some more Flyers wins and uh, whatever else pops up on the docket. But this has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 185. For Matt, I'm Kyle. We are signing off. Have a great weekend. Peace.